You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Hold one, Andre! Don't tell me! Welcome to Hit the Books Review, SummerSlam edition. That's right, we are here. I am your host, Ryan Knightsey, and with me, as always, is Mikey Manfredi, and we are reviewing SummerSlam from WWE. Mikey, SummerSlam, the greatest part of the summer. You never saw it coming. Did you see this show coming? The biggest party of the summer. Uh, no, this show is actually, I was actually surprised at how, uh, how sports entertained I was. Yes. I, I, didn't, I didn't see that coming. I, I I tweeted out somewhere where it was like you'll never see praise coming. I who would have guessed it? A good show? A good show? I uh, yeah. I thought this summer you'll never was really see good a show. good pay per view coming. I, I thought it was a solid show compared to what else they've put out through the COVID era. I thought this was a very solid show. Uh, you know, last solid pay per view they had since Royal Rumble. I would say Royal yeah. Rumble was fairly decent. Um, I or the very thing, least the things I remember from Royal Rumble are amazing. <laughs> I mean, Edge, like yeah. I mean, there we go. Uh, but yeah, so uh, thank you for everybody for listening to for, to our review of SummerSlam. Whether or not you're listening to it on the podcast feed or on YouTube, appreciate you listening to us. If you don't know who we are, I'm Ryan Knightsey, and this is of course Mikey Manfredi. Mikey, say hello. Hi, I'm the new AEW champion. Yes, yeah, say it on uh, say it on the video. <laughs> I think I, I can be... hear you picking up that title belt. You hear this? <laughs> this is my belt. <laughs> oh my god. What a goddamn mark. I will be defending against John Moxley at the next pay-per-view, not MJF. Oh, very nice. Um yeah, so if you don't know who we are, we are the host of Hit the Books. That is a show that's on this podcast feed or on this YouTube channel or however you're hearing it. Uh every single Friday where we book our own versions of Raw SmackDown. Raw or SmackDown, I should say. Or but I guess really Raw and SmackDown, I should say. Uh, we book our own versions of those shows every single week. We have been doing that for over two years. So we are qualified and know what we're talking about, obviously. And so we just released our SummerSlam special, so go see how we booked it. Yeah, you can see how we booked our own summer version of SummerSlam. But, of course, we want to talk about one of, one of the big five pay-per-views. Obviously, it was SummerSlam taken, coming out of the Thunderdome. The Thunderdome. Uh, in August of 2020. Can I just say? What's that? Don't mind, don't mind the Thunderdome. Yeah, so this a is... Just... It's, a lot of people say it's distracting. A lot of people don't like it. Uh, I think it brings a little bit of the energy back. I like seeing... Uh, even though it's just people's webcams, I think it still... It still helps, you know? It still faces. It's something. Yeah, I was going to ask, because SummerSlam is your first run-in with the Thunderdome. I watched it on Friday. Uh, I think they've... In a weird way, in a kind of a semi-controversial way, they've improved the fan Thunderdome-ness, um, where mm-hmm. they got more interactive. A lot of people don't like the fact that there was a producer on those Zoom calls that was... I don't know if you've seen this video, Mikey, but there was a producer on the video calls that would instruct the fans of like, hey, start clapping and cheering because you're, ha- you're happy right now and all this other stuff. They, we, they wouldn't just let them watch the pay-per-view? Yeah, because the complaints about the Thunderdome and what, and the fan video calls is that it was basically just people sitting at home watching with no reactions. And, huh. and, and, and that's what I did not like about Friday, and that's what other people didn't like previously. But now, like, they're doing it. I, I, I'm totally okay with it. Uh, it's kind of controversial on the internet. I think it's fine. I, I think it's fine. I think it's fine because the whole point of bringing back the fans was to get those inter- those you know cheering and stuff. Whether or not you can actually, whether or not the piped in mute noise is one thing, but uh, I want to see a bunch of people putting thumbs down when a when, when a heel wins or something. Like that's fine with me. Like I, I like it just brings it just adds that it doesn't like add it like fully, but it just gives a little hint of that something when there's fans you know yeah i feel like the internet liked it, it feel up way in- less empty i feel like the internet liked the thunderdome improvements up until 
uh, they were like, oh, producer's telling them how to react. I don't think the producer's telling them. The producer is telling them how to react. But I think, and that's not great, but it's also the first time, and the producer's trying to, the point of it is to the try to do this thing. If he, there's still a producer on those calls, like, a month from now, after we've done yeah. all this Thunderdome stuff, that's going to be another issue. Um, or if it's, you know, a, a Roman Reigns, a past Roman Reigns situation, uh, spoilers, and I guess in a way, a past Roman Reigns situation where, like, people want to, like, boo something that, they, that they're supposed to cheer, I guess. And the guy's mm-hmm. like, you're happy, cheer. And, you know, that that's one thing. But, uh, you know, I want to see that. Um, but yeah, so that's, I mean, the Thunderdome is interesting. I think it adds a little bit more of the atmosphere, especially like... When... I like the new, the, the, the troll potential of it. <laughs> yes, the, I love the troll potential. It keeps things exciting for you. It is distracting sometimes on the hard cam. Um, it, like it looks like Pikachu. Pikachu at SummerSlam was uh, it caught me off guard. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it, but I, it I think the, the visuals of the Thunderdome look better from like side cameras and stuff. The yeah, hard camera well, just looks it's, like it just looks like a big flat wall. There's no sense of depth to it. Yes, which is ironic because the whole point of it was to add depth, <laughs> <laughs> which they screwed up on one angle. Um, yeah, no, I I like the addition of Thunderdome. I think the alternative of having you know, tired performance center people cheering or attempting attempting to cheer. Uh, the Thunderdome is way better. So mm-hmm. I get why the internet there's the internet backlash, but the whole point was to try to have audience things, and it looks dumb if people are just watching at home. So I'm okay with yeah, it. Yeah, as long I, as this I, doesn't like happen continuously for the next month or so. I am a okay with this going on. Well, speaking of a okay, let's get into this gosh dang pay per view that we. That's both about what say. the pay per view was. I, I would say if you had to grade it, I would give it maybe like a B plus. Yeah, B plus, B like like B B plus. Yeah, I thought this was a pretty solid pay per view from top bottom. Uh, Agreed. Uh, you know, I, I of what it of what it you know could have been with all of the builds and whatnot. I thought it could have been way worse. I will say right off the jump, I did miss the pre-show. That's fine. That's fine. Well, let's talk about the pre-show real quick. I can give you my thoughts on it. And it was a match between Apollo Crews and the leader of the Hurt Business, MVP, battling over the United States title. Mike, you said you didn't see that, but I can tell you what I thought about it. I thought it was a, a fine match. Uh, I, You know, it was Apollo Crews versus MVP. I was hoping that with Apollo Crews getting the win here, that this might be the end of that little feud, and then MVP and the Hurt Business can wheel out, spin off into something else. Apollo Crews can spin off into something else. Uh, Mm. It's a shame that this was the kickoff match, but compared to other matches on this card, it makes sense. Um, But it was fine. I mean, Apollo Crews, I thought, could have been better in this. I thought it wasn't his best match that he's had previously. If the feud's not over, then I, I'm excited to see Apollo Crews versus Bobby Lashley. I think that would be a better match. But, uh, you know, I'd rather put over Bobby Lashley than MVP in this spot. But, you know, if it was me, but, uh, uh, you know, Apollo Crews getting the win here, that's fine. Let's end it with MVP. Let's move on to somebody else. Um, let's keep that United States title match rolling. It was a six-minute match as well, Mikey, so you can easily at some point in your lifetime watch it on youtube it, you know it's mm-hmm. it, it's one of those matches that it's it's you know it's fine you know it, it's that's all it is is that it's fine so uh it was okay yeah i believe i gave it two and a half stars on, out of five here um yeah it was like a fine match you know I, I like i said i wish it was better than i thought it would be uh but it was still like a decent match to watch to get me through the kickoff all right well let's all right that was good yeah, there's a little review of the kickoff, but let's get to the actual card here where we open up SummerSlam proper with the SmackDown Women's title match, Bailey with, of course, Sasha Banks in their corner, the role model Bailey, uh, uh, defeating Asuka in 11 minutes and 35 seconds. Of course, this is one of Asuka's two matches, which we'll talk more about that match, obviously, later. But, Mikey, mm-hmm. what did you think of this specific match of Bailey versus Asuka? I think it was good. I think this match was uh, solid. They both did a good amount of work. They put a great amount of effort in, and I loved it. I liked. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I thought it was really. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was good. I thought it was a pretty good match. I, uh, you know, I expected more coming from this match for Bailey and Oscar, 
But then as I was thinking about it after the fact, during like the Sasha Banks match, I was like, oh, it's kind of like when you have like a tournament match and you have two tournament matches in the same night. The first mm-hmm. match is always not as good as the second match because they're kind of... Because you want to save it, yeah. Exactly. You're kind of saving it for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I thought there were some interesting spots. Obviously, you know, they're sort of built the end there around Sasha Banks helping Bailey. Mm-hmm. Um uh, to allow Bailey to Gosh, win. taking that hip back, yeah. Yeah, so good on that sort of storytelling. It was one of those matches where it wasn't really... It was also in terms of, like, match quality. The match quality was fine, but the whole point of this match was basically to build towards the Asuka-Banks match late in the night and continue this sort of storyline. So it wasn't, like, the culmination of something, but just a continuation of storylines, really. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, it was really good. I liked the. I liked how they're basically kicking off. Well, I guess later they'll we'll figure out what goes on between uh, Sasha and Bailey. But I like Sasha coming in and scoring Bailey the win again. It makes it gives you that feeling of like, damn, can Bailey do this without Sasha? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, also there was the whole idea that you know coming into this pay per view that Bailey had never defeated Asuka before uh, in her god dang life. So. Uh, you know, good on, I guess, Bailey for achieving a victory with the help of Sasha Banks. Did you, where do you would like to see Bailey moving forward? I mean, are you expecting the Sasha Banks thing? Or are we thinking maybe there's going to be another challenger? I'm thinking it's going to be the Sasha Banks feud. I think I think they're going to hold it off until uh, they lose those tag titles, and then once they do, it's gonna it's gonna happen between Sasha and Bailey, and they're going to feud over that uh, SmackDown Women's title. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll see more of it as it comes forward. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I thought it was I think if match. anyone, I think if anyone's gonna dethrone Bailey, it's gonna be Sasha. Yeah, I guess also a lot of the discussion about this match really ties into the match later in the night. So I guess we'll save any any other thoughts, any other moments in this match that really surprised you or you like you you enjoyed. Uh, not that I can remember. Okay, well then, well, let's. I, I gave this match three stars. I, like I said, I thought it was solid, better than the kickoff show match. The kickoff show, the yeah, the kickoff show match of Cruz and MVP. That was a solid threeer. I also gave this one three. I thought it was pretty, pretty just a solid match. Okay, well then, let's move on down the card, and that was for the Raw Tag Team Championships. It was the Street Profits, Angela Dawkins and Montez Ford, retaining and def- or defending and retaining, I should say against the team of Andrade and Angel Garza, with, of course, their business manager, Zelina Vega, in the corner in 7 minutes and 49 seconds. Mikey, uh, I know you have not been watching Raw recently, but uh, were you surprised about the storyline of this match? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I sent out a tweet in the night where I was like, whoa, 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 can somebody update me real quick? Montez Ford got poisoned? Yeah. <laughs> Montez what? Montez Ford during a match with i believe andrade suddenly fell ill uh and it was revealed a following week or whatever later the night that he was poisoned and the whole mystery was who poisoned him incredible and at the time they're feuding with andrade angel garza and vega and they're I'm like, assuming they put it in his cup uh yes they shared backstage footage of zelina vega over his cup we didn't see specifically vega poisoning him but we saw the cup we saw, you know, the cameras from behind Vega. So we saw the cup. We see Vega. The cameras behind Vega, and we see her doing something. And then I love how Vega's, I love how Selena Vega's thought of how how are Andrade and Angel going to get these tag titles? Hmm. Let's kill Montez Ford. <laughs> it also goes to say that like Zelina Vega does not believe in her clients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Like the only way they're going to win is if one of them dies. <laughs> if we murder one of the prophets, they can't defend the tag titles if it's only one person. Exactly, exactly. It's gonna if be there's no team to tag. Where yeah. is the tag team? Yeah, it was. It's sort of, I guess, ridiculous in that sense. But it was also like before and after that video came out, Zelina Vega was denying doing it. Like everyone was like, "Oh, we're pretty cer- certain it she was still, Zelina Vega." She still was at SummerSlam, I believe, right? Yeah, but there was still video evidence of her doing something <laughs> with the cup. I don't know why she's still denying it. Like the storyline is already there. Uh, I have no idea. 
I didn't even know we got poisoned until just now. Yeah. Until well, like until like yesterday, I was like poisoned. You yes, say? poison. <laughs> like, that's what is it? Are we trying to kill like a medieval king? <laughs> like what? Uh, and then Angel Garza, his thing is that he's like flirting and romanticizing, not romanticizing, but romancing uh, Charlie Caruso. Mm-hmm. So it's real levels of uh, soap opera over here with love Very and poisoning. Poisoning. Lots of drama. And family drama with Bianca Belair getting involved. Lots um, of drama from this feud. Honestly, though, I will say this match made me realize that I think the the tag team division in general just needs some just something because not gonna lie i'm just meh on it like right now you know i mean that's fair i feel like it's just the same four teams fighting over and over and over again you know yes it definitely feels like we've had this match it doesn't i don't feel like we've had this match for a while i mean what was even the last what was the last pay-per-view before SummerSlam? was that extreme rules I just feel like I just feel like I keep seeing the same tag teams pop up in headlines over and over and over again. It's like, okay, can we maybe try to get some new ones or something? Just change it up a little bit or something. Like, I don't know. These are all fair concerns. Was I believe Extreme Rules the horror show at Extreme Rules? Excuse me. Uh, God, right. I can't believe we did that. Uh, did they even defend the Raw Tag Team Championships? No, they did not. Uh, yeah, Andrade and Garza versus Street Profits have sort of been feuding for a long time. And mm-hmm. I feel like this is over, but at the same time, like the fact that Vega was still denying poisoning Dawkins and Ford doesn't really feel like it's over. But also now that like it's Andrade and Garza lost, it's like, okay, well then where do they go? Who's mm-hmm. who, Who's the next heel team? Uh, heel team six. Street profits. Can we have a? Do we make a tag team called Heel Team Six or like no, a there stable? There would have to be six of them, and that's a lot in, in this this day and age. Heel Team Six is a great indie indie stable. That's true. <laughs> that is, I, I see it. You can use that, people in the world. You can use that. You can use that, courtesy of us. If you have six, if you have six indie wrestler friends, and you guys want to start a stable, you got it. You can use Heel Team Six. That is totally fine, and I think it's warranted um but yeah i thought i mean generally i thought this match was fine it was weird that we... six, but they're the biggest baby face faction in the company yeah it's it's what is it it's warhorse alley cat effie dan Housen. <laughs> that's four dan dan the dad and Five. who's the other guy it's probably some other dude to throw them in there i don't remember the, who they are flawless um but yeah, I think this match was like fairly good. I think it was, you know, I gave it three stars as well. I thought it was just as fine as Bailey versus Asuka. I thought it was weird that, uh, you know, because she was part of the storyline a little bit, I was thought it was weird that Bianca Belair wasn't there as sort of also like a deterrent against, against Zelina Vega mm-hmm. um, since she was sort of involved in the storyline. So that was weird. But uh, I guess at the very least, uh, I'm glad that hopefully this is over and we're moving on to something else. But like you said, like, I don't know. We already did the Viking Raiders, you know, that wasn't even a match. (laughs) That was awful. That was atrocious to watch. I I gave that a zero star rating. (laughs) It wasn't until this year where I was like, I like, I like Mikey when I was doing my, you know, I have that like, no, the Google sheets notebook page for me. Uh, like when I, this is like the first year where I actively were putting in zero star matches. I, when I was doing it, I was like, I won't do zero stars. I'll just do like a quarter star or whatever. And this year, and I was then like, you saw that match, and we're like, well, never mind. I saw that match. I saw the swamp fight. <laughs> it's like these, I'm getting zero stars out here. Jeez. Yeah, I'm I'm getting harsh in 2020. Apparently. Um, apparently. What did what did Angel Garza call us recently? The unhappiness era of fans. Did you see that? <laughs> God, Angel Garza complaining about fans. I've never, no one's ever complained about Angel Garza. I think he does a good job. And then all of a sudden he's like, we're in the unhappiness era. What are you talking about, Garza? <laughs> Jeez. Anyways. All right, let's move on. Anyways, uh, any more thoughts on this match? I gave it three stars, Mikey. I, I gave it three also. It was just a fine match. Okay, well, let's keep the ball rolling. And that was 
uh, a, a, a man, a, a barn burner of a match, wasn't it? A Mandy Rose defeating Sony Deville in ten minutes and one second, and a no disqualification loser leaves WWE. Of course, this match originally was supposed to be a hair versus hair match, but then, um, you know, due to outside uh, in, uh, incidents, uh, mainly attempted kidnapping, uh, they sort of adjusted course. Uh, apparently the hair versus hair match stipulation got corrected when, uh, Sonya's lawyer was probably like, you know, it would be a bad look if you showed up in court suddenly with no hair, uh, which is a fair point. Um, so they adjusted that. And of course, Sonyaville loses. So she's gone from WWE seemingly. Yes. Uh, probably taking a break. I would imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, much, much deserved break. I think. I think with what's happening, she deserves to step out of the spotlight a little bit. I think I think that was a uh, good stipulation to cut to like cut it to or like like switch it to last minute just to just so we don't just so Sonya could do her thing for a while, you know, and stay off of TV. Yeah, um, I think it was a really good stipulation choice. I think I'm sure she'll be back though. I'm sure she'll she'll I'm sure she'll be back. Um, I like the idea, and I feel like you wouldn't be surprised seeing this. And dumb, but I like the idea of Mandy Rose somehow convincing Otis to like give up his briefcase or use his briefcase to get Sonya her job back. Like what, you don't you don't think you don't think Otis is gonna use his briefcase on the fiend or Roman Reigns or Braun Strowman or Braun Strowman no <laughs> or if the draft comes around on Drew, oh, McIntyre, Drew McIntyre or Brock Lenzer or Randy Orton come on you don't think Otis can beat those guys with a briefcase do you think when Otis won that they had any idea what to do with him absolutely fucking not <laughs> no way no way they've planned that far ahead they're gonna be like let's give it to otis it'll be a funny pop and then they're like okay he has it now what and they're like uh what do we do with uh, this uh, he has the girl the briefcase what do i do with it i'm just exactly. like, otis, like got to where like otis's goal was mandy and he got that now what yeah now it's we'll give him another thing that he has Otis should have not gotten Mandy and then cashed in the briefcase. I guess we should say that Mandy Rose is not a prize in this. I hope that she no, is no, her no, no, own individual. Not. Absolutely not. That, that was loves that loves Otis as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought of of the match itself. What do you think of this, Mikey? I thought it was good. I liked it. It was. Uh, I I got into it more than I thought I was going to. This is honestly the match that I was most hyped for going into the pay per view. Because I I thought the story of this you know of of this build up into the match I thought was very solid, and then even with the you know slight pivot in stipulation, I thought Mandy and Sonya cut great promos last Friday, to you know in that video package where Sonya was just on fire and had a lot to get off her chest, mm-hmm. um, and I thought she did great. I thought it was you know. She, and I think that's also a point to make about us no, no matter what. No matter what we thought think of the match, these two women are have the utmost should have and should have from everybody the utmost respect. I mean of the week that they both had, they showed up to work for two nights and did their job. Um, you know, despite attempting kidnapping. They were both in the home and you know, that's just the 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 balls the the confidence the just the what's the word just the just the professionalism of each of these women is just outstanding and you have to throw it up to them yeah for sure i it, it was it was a really great match that i didn't expect would come out of them after what happened you know i thought they might be a little like kind of not really concerned about the match at that point but I think they both put on an awesome show still. I, there was a couple of flops. I mean, Mandy did have a couple of troubles with the table, um, <laughs> which is also weird that she set up the table just to slide a chair. <laughs> I would say she set up the table and then didn't use it. Yeah. Um, I do also like sometimes in, in wrestling matches when they set up a Chekhov's gun and just never use it. Yeah. They like set up the table and just like, mm, this is all they, we're not going to break anyone through it. I, I'm a little upset though. Cause I was like, Ooh, there's going to be a table spot in this match. Nice. Wasn't yeah. expecting that. 
Yeah, I felt like this. I felt like this match should have been longer too. It was only ten minutes. It was. I mean, it wasn't the shortest match on the card, but it was. What was it? The second shortest match on the card. Um, I sort of felt like it'd be longer. Um, I don't know. I thought it was a good match. I the reason I bring up that Otis using the briefcase to get Sonya her th- t- contract back, I think it's a way to get Sonya back on the show eventually when they're ready. But also, and a way to get Otis to, to get rid of the briefcase because they have no idea what they're gonna do with it. Also true, but also like Mandy Rose, her promo on Friday was that she wanted to put this whole thing behind them and move on. So I think like using Otis's briefcase to somehow find a way to get Sonya her title or her contract back with WWE shows that Sonya and Mandy can become a team again and all this other stuff. I do think <laughs> heel Sonya is great. But, uh, you know, maybe that's a way to bring her back. I don't know. They're, WWE has sort of pivoted into these sort of story, or these soap opera storylines. So I'm just thinking of the best soap opera-y storyline possible. That's fair. I, I do I do like that idea, though. It, will, it, it does bring the idea of uh, Fire and Desire back, and it gets the briefcase off of Otis. Because I do, I, although I would like to see Otis use the briefcase on drew mcintyre or the fiend or braun Strowman or brock lesnar at some point because goddamn that would be funny it'd be <laughs> hilarious i i thought this match was fine uh i gave it two and three quarters stars i thought it was fine there was a couple messes here and there um you know i wasn't too hot on this match i mean my expectations were t- a little too high um, but also, you know, like I said, everything goes out the door because the fact that they, these two women were able to show up for work, get the job done, uh, despite the horrendous week that they've had, uh, yeah. all literally all the props in the world goes out to them. Absolutely. I gave, I also gave this match, I gave this match a three actually, instead of a two point five. I, I liked it. Mikey, the, the three star general over here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, let's keep it going. This next match was a street fright. Street fright. Jesus a Christ, right? What is it? The horror show at Extreme Rules? <laughs> street fight between Seth Rollins and the debuting Dominic Mysterio, recently d- signed WWE superstar, uh, signed his first ma- ever match against Seth Rollins in a street fight in 22 minutes, 35 seconds. Seth Rollins getting the win here. Mikey, thoughts on this match? Thoughts on Dominic's? Uh, attire thoughts on Dominic's uh, debut. I thought Dominic did great. I was I really enjoyed the match. I thought it was a, I w- I was surprised by how much I actually enjoyed the match. I thought it was going to be like a little bit of a mess, but I mean, of course, there was some botches here and there. But I didn't really. I kind of expected that, so I was fine with it. Um, I like the fact that it was a street fight. Uh, you got to give Dominic props for taking that absolute beating with a kendo stick. Uh, that's that's wild to me. Just someone that new, just absolutely taking that beating was unreal. Um, and I think he put on a great show, and I was I was definitely into it. I definitely fell for like the the little the little moments of hope he had. I definitely was like, oh shit, he might do it. Um, and then when he lost, I was like, okay, it makes sense. But they almost got me. They almost they almost got you. Got you on that swerve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I thought, like you said, I thought this was, I thought this was probably, no, it wasn't the best match on the card, but it was up there. I think it was my second favorite match on the entire card. I thought it was great. It didn't feel, I said it's 22 minutes. It was definitely the longest match on the card, but it it didn't feel like 22 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like it was constantly moving, constantly something new. And, you know, and, and not only was it the fact that like, like, this, there there was all there were so many things that were like happening that were made you like remember like keep you keep you motivated and paying attention um mm-hmm. you know the idea of it just being dominic so then you can always just cut to ray mysterio knowing that he can see his son in pain or whatever and that's something or rollins being like you know just the absolute ass um during this match i, I will say the gear in this match was on point from both people did you like Dominic's gear? I did. I didn't think it was bad. I did. I did not enjoy it. I was you didn't like, like it? I thought it was fine. I thought it was like ricochet light. For, well, first yeah, thing. I didn't mind it. I thought it, was not, I thought it was nice looking. First things first is I like the pants. The problem is is the hoodie. You got it, Dominic. You got to cut. Oh, the hood, the, hood, the hood you can cut. But like the rest of it was fine. I get that Dominic does not have a six pack yet. 
which is weird to say about a child. Well, he's not a child anymore. He's a how old is Dominic? I don't know. Dominic Mysterio. Uh, I guess I can just look. I have I have it pulled up here on Cage Match. Why don't I just look it up? He is twenty three, so he's not a child. He's younger than us. Um, but I get that he doesn't have like a six pack or anything. But like, still, just like take off the shirt part, because or at least cut the hoodie. Like he didn't wear it on his entrance, and then it was just an annoyance to me and him the entire match. So cut the hoodie. Yeah, I think I think I think it was good, but if you cut the hoodie, it's great. Yes. Yeah, I have to see it. But uh, I, I like I, I all around though. I liked it. I liked the, the DM on the back for it. I thought that was fun. That was that was funny because it could be construed as like, "Yo, DM me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hit him with the DM. And that's Slide just DMs. That's just him doing a super kick. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he calls it. His, that's what he calls his finishing to slide into the DMs. Oh, instead of this, no, that's yeah. He does a six one nine, but calls it the <laughs> the slide into the DMs or something, some shit. He does the yeah, but he he does the the six one nine on the apron because he slides. Oh yeah. Oh, you're right. It's even better, even better. I I pr- approve. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I thought this match was really good. Like I said, it was the longest match in the card, but never felt long. It was constantly things happening. It was the perfect amount of like. Seth Rollins is sometimes can be really bad at melodrama, but here I thought it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really well done at being playing the heel here. Uh, you know, I'm since payback is next week, I imagine we're going to get Rollins versus Mysterio next week. Um, or maybe a tag match between the four members of this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought, I mean, honestly for a debut, I thought, Dominic not only was way better than Pat McAfee, but I think he really shined. I think he, I mean, he's Frog Slash wasn't half bad. Frog Slash wasn't half half that bad. There was a, like you said, there was a couple of things that were like okay, but you you can easily chalk it up to nerves. Obviously, we have to see another match. But I thought honestly, I was not expecting much based on his promos and charisma and whatnot. But he was able to. He's, I mean, he's. I mean, he's new. There's going to be some growing pains, obviously. He's like, got. There's going to be some stuff he's not great at that he's got to work on. Like, every, exactly. like every new, every new superstar has that. So I feel like, I feel like if he's, if they are signing him like seriously, and he's going to stick around, um, I think if he works on it, he could be, he could be some special. Uh, he is signed seriously, Mikey. He had a he had a contract signing against Seth Rollins that made not only this match official but his WWE Superstar status official. And we all okay. know that contract signings are legit. Yep, hundred percent. Um, honestly, yeah. So I think if you keep Dominic, have Rey Mysterio be sort of like his managerial dad partner type. Uh, you know, like keep him his with manager, him. You know, his his manager, dad, tag team partner. Exactly. Yeah. Basically, so, someone that can cut the promos for him. Uh, for the most part, I think you know that's that's gonna work up until the moment where you can have Dominic turn heel on his dad or or some nonsense. And there was teen novel Dominic Mysterio in my, t- my tag team partner manager dad. <laughs> I, I kept looking at Mysterio and be like, man, he's pulling off a good Shibata look. He's got the white the white uh, wrist tape. I was like, man, he's like he's like a coach over there. He's like he's like he looked like yeah, a you soccer. Know how Mysterio's mask had like Gucci, Louis Vuitton. Oh my god, yeah, oh, Lu- like, the family. Like, damn, damn Mysterio, family arrives, flexing on us. All right, flexing hard. It was like Rey Mysterio was like any soccer dad out there. He's got the he he doesn't need the wrist tape, but he's wearing it. It's true. He was he he was like an over and through. He was like the dad who who uh, wanted to be the, the coach but couldn't be. So he goes to every game and be, and does like sideline coaching. And the actual coach is like, "Hey, hey can you not put my son in the game? <laughs> Get my son off the bench." He's <laughs> like, "That's all he's there for." Uh, and then- and, and then Dominic scores, and he like runs on the field, and he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> like the, the game isn't over yet." But I I think some of the positives of Dominic are that I think he you know despite limited mic ability, I think he sells very well. Uh, and oh, yeah. I, you know, and he was able to do obviously a lot of lucha libre I, moves. 
I feel like selling the kendo stick shots isn't hard though because those look like they hurt for real, for real. And he he took a decent number of them I a couple he weeks did a ago. Lot of those. <laughs> so he he knows how to sell it. Uh, I say, uh, based on those bruises, that probably hurts like a lot. So. That's like that's like the argument with like New Japan and their dojo is like the reason that they're so good at selling is because they probably took a lot of chops and whatnot. They probably, yeah, they're so good at selling because they're in real pain. Yeah, no. The reason that all the young lions in New Japan have like tree trunk thighs is because just like one day of working out is just squats, <laughs> just just hundreds of squats all day. Uh, like Ugh. like that's that's the that's the kind of training that I want to see. I want Mysterio to be like a is be Shibata to Dominic. I want him to give him the the New Japan Young Lion treatment. Uh, where they just hit him with Dominic, kendo sticks. Dominic, Dominic leaves WWE for a little while, goes to Japan. I would be fine with that. Get him in there. Get Dominic, him young lion. Dominic NJPW and the young lions. Put him on NJPW strong. Get him. <laughs> get him to fight Jay White. Get him to fight uh, Kenta. He uh, comes, comes back. Comes back with a vengeance for Seth Rollins and completely different. Give me, give me Dominic Mysterio versus David Finlay with the dads in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Rey Mysterio and, and Fit Finlay in the corner. Oh, that's what I want to see. But yeah, I thought this match was really, really good. I gave it three and a half stars. It, when I saw that, I was like, I feel like this is too high, but I really enjoyed this match. So yeah, three and a half stars for me, buddy. Yeah, I gave this one. I gave this one uh, a three and three quarter stars. I, I was very, I was sports entertained. I was really expecting you to be like, I don't think I it was it... that four, but uh, it was, it was pretty good. I was really expecting you to be like, yeah, I give it four stars, and I'm like, oh, no, three, three stars. I'm like, Mikey, and again, three stars. No, like I gave this one a little bit over, a little bit over three stars because I was sports entertained, but I don't think it was a four star match. That's fair. It, the four star, you feel four star matches. Like, you, yeah, you can feel. Yeah, those matches you can feel. Like you can really feel it. Uh, let's move on to the next match, which was the Raw. Speaking, wi- of, speaking of four star matches, there we go. Raw Women's Title. Asuka defeating Sasha Banks with Bailey. Actually, I would say with not Bailey because Bailey kind of, like you called it, like you called it, kind of didn't really do too much to really help. But uh, Sasha, Sasha Banks with Bailey. Exactly. Uh, Asuka gets the title. Is the new Raw Women's Champion. Mikey, thoughts on this match? This match was great. Uh, Sasha and Asuka put on an awesome match. I loved it, and I loved the st- I loved the storyline afterwards. Uh, where instead of taking the the hip attack like Sasha did, Bailey was like, "Nope," mm-hmm. <laughs> and moved out of the way, which gave Sasha the open, or which gave Oscar the opening to hit the Oscar lock and tap uh, Sasha out. Uh, ended up winning the match, getting that title off of Sasha, which sucks because I would rather have her gotten off of Bailey. Uh, but here we are. Um, I guess they're start. They're going to try to launch this uh, Bailey Sasha feud coming up for that SmackDown Women's Championship. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. I, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was really, really, really good. Um, you know, I thought Asuka and Sasha Banks showed up in this I match. Had, I, was, I, had, I, I had high expectations for Sasha and Asuka, and they delivered. That's good. That's good. I, I Like I like I said, I, I think some moments that really stood out to me were that... Um, oh, my God. The... Are you going to talk about the, the flipping powerbomb off the apron? Exactly. <laughs> yes, the cartwheel into a powerbomb off the apron and just God. a the most the, lar- the loudest thud coming from Asuka's neck. <laughs> Did you see Asuka's tweet after that? What was her tweet? She So the WWE SummerSlam Twitter tweeted like the, the gif of Asuka's head like slamming into the ground and the thud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Asuka replied, that's perfectly fine. My body hurts, but there is no head damage. It looks like I'm hitting my head, but no problem because I'm supporting it with my neck and then a little like emoji. <laughs> I love Oscar. <laughs> she's, she's like, oh, I was going, it was fine. I was okay. Did, no you see, did you see her photos after this match where she's posing with the belt as a cup of ramen noodles? Yes. <laughs> I love Oscar. She's great. Kana Chan TV. Give me all of it. She's great, but I that that I when that happened in the match, that thud, that thud. Oh my god! I I, I saw that and I was like, oh, same. I was like, oh no! And like Jesse turned to me, I was like, what? I was like, you have to watch this replay. It was Jesus, yeah, that was brutal. That was brutal, absolutely brutal. That was absolutely insane. Um, I will say, 
I think this was match of the night for me. Same. Same. This was easily match of the night. I think Asuka did a lot of good good work here, um, especially being the second match of the night for her. Uh, you know, solid. You know, she was like, you know, her game tactic here was submissions. Uh, she, you know, constantly going for those leg bars and whatnot. I love that spot where Asuka had Banks in the electric chair position, threw her down into a, fa- uh, a face buster. Face buster? I don't know if that's the right term, but whatever. Face buster. Uh, and as she like does that, she like grabs Banks's leg and turns it into a a, a you know a leg bar, or whatever the hell it's called, um, leg hook. I think a knee bar. Knee bar. There it is. Turns it into a knee bar as she's throwing Sasha Banks down. I thought that was a great spot. Uh, I I rave so much about that spot. I love that spot specifically so much. I thought this match was really really good. I, I like I cannot praise it enough. I thought it was a really good match of the night easily. Um. I don't know. I, for some reason, I wasn't expecting much, but this match really stunned me. And Banks and Bailey, and I would say also maybe Asuka, hopefully, you know, if ba- Baszler already saying that she's got next for the Raw Women's title, that means Asuka, Baszler, probably na- na- throwing Nia Jax as well in there. Uh, I like all that stuff happening. Probably Bailey and Banks coming up. Maybe Naomi is in there as well somewhere. Um, we'll see. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, Banks and Bailey have been doing great work in this COVID era, and I'm excited to see more of it. Yeah, me too. Uh, I gave this match three and three quarters. I wasn't quite there on four. I was very close. I was teetering on it, but I was like, you know, I, I just not wasn't a four. I gave it three and three quarters. I did get to the four on this one. I gave this one a four, four, four meatballs out of five. That's what I thought, Mikey. Uh, <laughs> I, for some, I just, I was like. There, there was something that was holding me back, and I don't know what it was. I, like you said, you almost had to feel a four, and I didn't re- exactly feel the four here. But it was my match tonight. I liked it a lot. Um, and then I after, I think this, after that, too, it made me want to go back and watch some old... I think I ended up watching... Uh, after SummerSlam, I went back and watched Bailey Sasha at NXT Brooklyn. Oh, nice. That's a match wow. I still haven't seen, actually. What a, what a match, dude. I gotta watch that. Uh, well, let's move on to the next match. And was Drew McIntyre defeating and retaining his title against Randy Orton, that title being the WWE Championship in 20 minutes and 35 seconds with a backslide. A lot of controversial people complaining about that backslide online. Mikey, what yeah, were your thoughts about it? it? Uh, I thought the match, solid. I liked the match a lot throughout the whole thing. Uh, the end the end did kind of, uh, eh, was kind of eh for me, but I, get, I guess they want to keep this feud going a little bit, uh, which is fine. But I do wish it ended more decisively than a backslide for Drew McIntyre. But uh, you know, you get what you get. Yeah, it was, it was one of those. And I, yeah, you wanted to be a more decisive ending. But to me, it's obvious that the reason they're doing that is one: Randy Orton's their top heel, and they're going to make a little bit of a chase out of this. I think with Randy Orton. Um. You know, so we we need a we need to protect Orton a little bit, but make sure he gets a win that isn't just like a, a cheap sort of win. I mean, a backslide is still a pin, so there's that, I guess. A win's um, a win's a win. A win's a win. Um, you know, and he Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, so like we have to also protect McIntyre. It makes sense. It makes sense for him to win the match. I can see why they want this decision. I was fine with it. Uh, I wasn't as meh on it as as you are Mikey but you know I thought it was fine I think it was a well-worked match uh again it was one of those things like at this point in the show everyone on Twitter especially me were just sort of like man this show is pretty good yeah <laughs> this show yeah. is pretty good I thought this match was pretty good no I mean like all I mean all around this match was good I just didn't like the way it ended but like otherwise I thought it was fine I was into it I watched the, I like I like wasn't actively hating it you know yeah i i'm very uh, because there isn't definitive thing it makes me really like realize that like oh we're gonna do a little chase here mm-hmm. probably gonna make another match at payback for this title maybe not um uh, but you know maybe something who knows i don't really know what payback is and why we're doing it that's besides the point um so yeah i i think you know randy orton has more left in the tank. I think he's he's did a good job in this match being that sort of 
not really chicken should heal, but sort of just like mind game Orton. That's the I think mind game Orton is the best that he's ever been. Uh, when yeah. he's just like out there as a dude, he's not he's nothing. But when he's playing like doing the mind it, games, I, I I've been calling it Legend Killer 2.0. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to say it. Because he's because he's kind of back on that train too. Like he took out Ric Flair, he took out Christian. He's back like, kind of like on the Legend Killer gimmick, but like harder. He is like leaning harder into it. When do, when do we know where or how long Edge will be out of that tricep injury? I do not. I want to look it up real quickly because at what point does Edge get involved in this match in this these these sort of things? Because you know at some point that Randy Orton is going to go for a punt and then Edge is going to like come out and save Drew McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds about right to me. Um, let's see. Looking up now. A standard recovery time for surgery for a torn tricep muscle would place his return anywhere from the late fall to winter. So that's <laughs> like Survivor Series, maybe. Uh, right. at, at the earliest Survivor Series. <laughs> at the earliest Survivor Series. Yikes. Assuming, assuming it doesn't, he doesn't have a miraculous recovery. You, you roll the randomizer on that one, but uh, uh, okay. So we got to push this out until November. So we have a couple pay per views. I think it's possible. You know, maybe you do some nonsense with Ric Flair or some other legend, or Triple H gets involved in this feud somehow because it's Triple H. Um, <laughs> somehow because it's Triple H. <laughs> yeah, I think there's something to do there. I think there's definitely something to do there. I like it. I like, I like Randy Orton as the top heel on Raw. I think it suits him well. McIntyre, I think, is he a great foil for McIntyre? Not necessarily, um, but I think because I also think McIntyre is a bit works better as a heel. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for what they, what the cards they have at their disposal, I think it works the best. Um, I just I mean I, I like I also don't like who's the next who's the next biggest baby face that they have and sort of like who knows Keith Lee I guess coming up yeah that um, would that would be cool Keith, Keith Lee versus Drew McIntyre or oh yeah then Keith, Keith Lee gets involved in this whole feud that'd be great <sighs> then we get yeah. yeah that's that's what I want to see but uh yeah I thought this match was uh, like I said pretty good three and a half stars uh there wasn't like really sponsors that I can really distinctly remember it was just well worked well paced uh match top down uh i just greatly enjoyed it like i said there was nothing like i truly remembered and i was someone that was okay with the backslide so unlike other people unlike you mikey i was okay with that backslide what was your star rating uh i gave this one three and a half i thought it was solid i liked it a lot uh like i said the backslide kind of put it it was it didn't completely ruin the match for me it just kind of like was like mm left a bad taste in my mouth I guess if it was McIntyre getting the dis- like definitive victory hitting him the Claymore getting the win on Randy Orton would you have gone for yeah probably oh, there we go folks uh, let's move into the main event and it was for the Universal Championship in a Falls Count Anywhere match where we were able to see the gorilla position for some weird reason uh, it was the fiend Bray Wyatt defeating Braun Strowman and becoming the new Universal Champion. Mikey, thoughts on this match? Uh, I like. I, I I thought it was fine. It wasn't like fantastic. It wasn't like amazing. Uh, but I didn't really expect it to be like a like an amazing five star banger from Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. Um, but it was fine. It did its job. Yeah, I thought this match was, like you said, I think it was fine. I think it was good. Uh, I, I'm not like, it wasn't like appalled by it than from most people it appeared online. But uh, I did like I did like Strowman trying to, exposing the, the ring. I, I agree. I, I think it was like the best match that Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman could have with one another. If that makes sense. I think... I don't, you know, especially with the Fiend character, I think it was the best match that they could have done um, between the two of them. And, you know, I don't necessarily, now with, you know, we'll get to the ending of the match as well. But, you know, the match itself, I thought was, I thought was fairly decent. You know, I thought it was fairly good. Uh, I think Braun worked hard. I think, 
I think Braun worked really hard. I think Bray Wyatt, you know, was doing a little bit of his tricks. It was weird again, like kind of like before, there was no uh, Alexa Bliss in this match, even though she was part of the whole build. You know, if it's if you're building to a thing, it feels like the people that were involved in the build should be there at the end. Um, where's Braun Strowman go from here? I don't know. Maybe, you know, the Fiend uses him like as a puppet or something. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Braun Strowman moving forward. Uh, I do love the ending of the match, which I guess we should talk about now. And that was, of course, the, the thing that we never saw coming. And that was Roman Reigns returning mid-COVID era with brand new veneers and a brand new hot-off-the-press t-shirt. And vestless. And vestless. His sleeves are no more. Well, I guess he never had sleeves on the first one. Dang it! His vest is no more. His chest has been bared. That works better. Vests Uh, don't even have sleeves. I don't even know why I thought about that. Roman Reigns is now... now weak to bullets again. (laughs) Do you... So, the conversation right now online is whether or not Roman's a heel. Do you... you, Where do you fall on that line? I didn't... I'm not exactly completely, like... Yep, he's a heel, hundred percent, because he was beating down on two heels. Well, yes. Well, to be fair, Bray Wyatt in this match was the babyface. Yeah, but yes, fiend, but it's the Bray fiend. Wyatt is a babyface, but the fiend is not to me. That's that's what my brain is saying. Okay. Um, so he was beating up on the fiend and Braun Strowman to. Uh, monster characters, so maybe he's not completely heel, but he was. He did show the aggression of a heel in that beatdown. You know, he brought, he busted out the chair or the kendo. Like he, but he had some sort of weapon. I remember to beat down Strowman with. Um, yeah, like he got pretty aggressive. So like, I don't think it's a like. I I need to see more before I say, yep, he's heel now. But I think I think it's definitely leaning in that direction for sure. I also think, like, with the state of SmackDown, I think he he can't be a heel because Braun definitely has turned heel uh, and may become a monster again, which I think is perfect. I you know, monster monster Braun versus Roman Reigns was like Roman's feud. Like Roman's defining rivalry is against Braun Strowman. So I mm-hmm. think having that heel Braun works really well. Then we're going to throw like, in... when he was beating down Braun and he's like, you're nothing without me, Braun. Which is exactly true. He's nothing... He, he Ever since Braun diverted from Roman Reigns and did his own stick, he was nothing. Uh, the two... he just They're just perfect foils for one another in such a weird way. Um, despite just like... They just, have, they just have great chemistry and I just love seeing them fight. Then we're going to throw in a little bit of the spice of the fiend. And then we're going to throw in some country ham. And we're going to mix this pot together to get a nice new universal champion from Otis. Um, no. Otis. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's. I'm excited to see where this goes. You had a little bit of fiend. You had a little bit of Braun Strowman. You had a little bit of Roman Reigns and a dash of universal title. And what comes out of the pot? Otis. Mmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> A big beautiful ham that is Otis. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I I'm excited for this. I'm am I happy that Roman's back? No, uh, ultimately, um, you know, COVID's not gone, uh, especially in Florida, um, and that's. I mean, know. there for me it was like yeah, COVID's not gone, but clearly he made the choice to come back. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Clearly, clearly, if I think, I think for me, for in my in my head, it's not great. But if he's okay with it, then I'm more okay with it. You know, that's fair. If he's comfortable, and and obviously he felt comfortable. I think. Yeah, exactly. Like if he's comfortable with it, then I also feel a little more comfortable with it, and I'm okay, and I'm more okay with it. If if WWE, you know, is of course doing their, you know, social distancing at work and and you know wearing mask policy, hopefully. And they are doing testing on site. You know, I think this is is a great way for Roman. And if he feels comfortable with it, he feels comfortable with it. You know, he understands uh, what is happening with that. So yeah, like I like you're right. You you are right, Mikey. If he feels comfortable, he feels comfortable. 
Uh, I kind of wish he didn't return just be, just to continue sticking to them and be like, yeah, you shouldn't be doing this during COVID. I don't feel comfortable. But you're right. If he does feel comfortable, he does feel comfortable. Um, based on his actions and his T-shirt, some people feel that Roman's Roman Reigns may be aligned with Retribution, that new kind of Antifa uh, stable kind of invasion thing that's been happening on Raw and SmackDown in recent weeks, Mikey. And you saw a video package for it. Do you think he's the leader of Retribution? He could. I could see that being an angle. I don't know if it is, but I could definitely see it being like the being like the big angle. Roman. So what you're saying is that Roman could be turning heel and leading a stable of his own of maybe say like four people. <laughs> maybe throw in a fifth lady. Maybe. It, where have I where have I heard this idea before? I don't know. Could, could it be maybe his uh, his cousins, the Usos? I'm I'm Nostradamus. I'm the greatest booker of this lifetime, and I'm I'm better than Paul Heyman. Yeah, more you, people you see, need you see the future. More people need to listen to hit the books because we just it, the show has become more and more just predicting the future, just like by accident. <laughs> No, on purpose. I like I said, I'm Nostradamus. Do you think Nostradamus was like, I don't know, the comet will happen 72 years from now? No, he knew. Like me, genius, genius of the sky, Ryan Knightsey. Get out of here, EO. Genius. <laughs> I'm taking the title. Uh, genius of the pen. Yes, I'm. I'm no, the, the Nostradamus of of booking. Um, that'll be my tag. That's my title. You're for, formerly the Taco Bell kid. I'm the Nostradamus of booking. It's probably a better. It there's probably a better name for that. There you go, Ryan. You now have your nickname for hit the books. I'll take it. Um, there's probably a better nickname there somewhere. But yeah, I thought this match was good. Uh, I you know like I said, I was up on it a lot more than it sounds like you were, and the internet was kind of was. I mean, on Grapple, which is a a, a sort of a crowd sourcing review site for matches it has currently at 116 ratings uh this match has a 1.91 and out of 61 votes on cage match this match has a 4.94 out of 10 hmm. so uh people did not quite enjoy this match as opposed to other matches uh i gave this three and a quarter mikey where were you sitting on it same thing three and a quarter really mm-hmm. really indeed we both enjoy. I thought you. I did not think you were enjoyed that much. This match that much. I didn't. I like I said, it was good. It was good, and it got the job done. I guess that's fair. That is what it did. It got the job done. Roman Reigns has returned. Uh, during this whole review, Mikey, I've been uh, do, looking at. Um, I've been compiling our answers for our thing to give like just an average uh, number for our mm-hmm. reviews, like for our like thoughts on uh the pay-per-view so grapple so the audience at home basically said gave this out of a five-star scale 2.9 i was a little higher on it as at a 3.16 and you were highest at 3.36 okay so i don't know that that doesn't really work in the grade scale but uh (laughs) you were uh definitely pretty you thought uh, if if in my brain, a, a three is a solid good. Three and two, five, 3.25 is like pretty good. 3.5 is really good. It was a perfectly good pay-per-view. Yes, I, I think that agree. I, it was a lot better than I think everyone in the world was sort of expecting based on previous Raw and SmackDowns. So I'm at the very least happy that we got something enjoyable uh, and I, you know, I'm back. They got me. I'm gonna. I'll be returning on payback. I won't be returning. Roman Reigns returned on SummerSlam. I'm not returning at payback. Uh, just to be clear. But uh, you know, I'm. You know, I'm excited for that upcoming. Ryan making his payback debut. Yeah, of course. Well, that's naturally what I have to do next. That's that's. I did. Dang it! I did predict it. I am the Nostradamus of booking, so I did predict it. So it does mean it comes true. I'll be debuting at payback i'll be i'll be challenging it's gonna be you and me challenging big reveal folks it's gonna be you and me challenging banks and bailey uh incredible oh. for, the, for the challenges for the tag titles yeah I, I you know i'm i'm ready for it oh okay <laughs> wwe is gonna cash in on us 
WWE's happening as we're recording, Mikey. So do you just want some payback <laughs> payback news? We can talk yeah. about that, I guess. <laughs> to close out, a little, little preview for payback, I guess. Yeah, let's hear what's going on in Raw right now. Uh, yeah, so Randy Orton just in the grill position just punted Drew McIntyre in the head. So, Uh-oh. So that's, so that's something. Randy Orton's also wearing a, a vest that says Legend Killer on the back and has a bunch of, like, markings, like tally marks on it. I like it. So I love that. But here we go. There's four matches that already have been announced for payback. Uh, we have Bailey and Sasha Banks versus whoever for the tag team titles. I presume that's going to be decided soon. Uh, Apollo Crews versus Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. That's the match that I wanted. Uh, we also have Drew McIntyre versus Orton for the WWE Championship again. Okay. And then just recently announced a no-holds-barred triple threat match for the Universal Championship, The Fiend defending it against Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. Aren't triple threats already no DQ or no-holds-barred? Yes, but this is no-holds-barred, which has a distinct difference for some reason. I remember WWE put out like a press release at one point explaining what the difference between no DQ, no holds barred, unsanctioned matches. Um, I think it's like the amount of table, amount of weapons or something, or what specific weapons they could use. I don't quite know. But Mikey, thoughts on those four matches and a little bit of the preview for Payback? Uh, interesting so far. <laughs> Let's see where this goes. What match is sort of like you're excited for? What match are you like sort of eh on? Or are you just all all in general you're sort of eh on? Uh, I like... I'm, I'm excited for uh, Orton McIntyre too. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised that that match is happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm actually legit surprised that that match is happening on this pay-per-view. Because also the fact that it's happening makes me feel like we're going to have a definitive result. For sure. If it if it's not, then I don't know what they're doing. But that's uh, fair. I, I think it, I think this next one at payback is definitely going to have a definitive result with one of them getting pinned. Oh, and then what else is happening on Raw? This Raw is this Raw is shaping up to be. Great. I'm just like looking at the previews. There's a. Don, like oh dang it they did it <laughs> what tonight on raw was a recording dominic and Rey mysterio versus rollins and murphy dang it that was it my is. payback there it is which probably means we're gonna get Rey mysterio versus rollins at payback uh oscar versus sasha banks for the title in a lumberjack match mm-hmm. oh my god this raw jesus christ um yeah, no. So that's our. I guess that's payback. I'm excited for that triple threat match. That's that's Roman's first match since February, maybe early March. I'm excited for it. I'm definitely excited for it. Well, then there we go, Mikey. That is our review of SummerSlam. Like we said, coming out of the Thunderdome in WWE's Orlando, Florida. They don't own the city, but, you know, they're there. Um, so thank you, everybody, for listening to this special of reviewing WWE's SummerSlam pay-per-view. Like we said, you, if you like what we do here, you can subscribe to this podcast feed or this YouTube channel, depending on how you are watching it. You can listen to more bonus content. Not even bonus content, but you can listen to our, our flagship show, which is Hit the Books every Friday, where Mikey and I write our own versions of Raw and SmackDown. Orion, the Nostradamus of booking. So every, so it's more important to listen to it because everything I book apparently comes true, allegedly. Um, and we have great stuff on that show, so go check it out anyways. Uh, but also we have Wrestling of Statistics, which is on every Monday, which you can go listen to. Where we sort of review me and Craig Lease from Pro Wrestling Musings, review matches through the lens of stats and analytics. Uh, very eye-opening uh, in that sense, because it, you know, it, it, what what's really interesting about the show, Mikey, is that it really uh, the the numbers tell a, a big story. It's not just numbers that you're like, okay, whatever. And you look at it, and when you dive deep into those numbers, it's sort of there is a story within there, uh, and our job is to find that story. Um, anything for you to plug, Mikey? Uh, I do want to give 
nothing to plug, but I do want to give a quick little teaser. Uh, Mikey's Indy 500 is coming back. Hey! Uh, but it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, more details to come. Okay. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Mikey. You heard it here for, first, folks. Uh, Mikey's Indy 500 is around the corner. How how far away from around the corner are we talking? Soon? Are we, are we talking a month from now? Or can you even can you even can you even say? No timetable yet. Okay, but, it, but it's sooner than it was. Details are coming together, and it's definitely going to happen at some point. I'm excited. I'm excited. So uh, even all the more reason to subscribe to this podcast feed. We get m- new shows coming down the line. Um, so get ready for that. And there was another show that I talked to Craig, but that's, that's a little tease for later. Um, but thank you, everybody. Like we said, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of us reviewing SummerSlam. I guess if you want to listen to me and my thoughts on TakeOver, you can listen to the previous episode of Wrestling Statistics where Craig and I uh, – pre or reviewed and broke down matches uh from nxt takeover xxx so you can go listen to that as well so again thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode not even this week's episode thank you everybody for listening to our SummerSlam review until next time for mikey i have been ryan knightsey until then have a nice day Oh,